0: What's up, PGF Nation? Before we jump into the episode, in case you guys didn't know, Alex and I had a lot to cover in this one, and it went longer than expected, so we decided to cut this episode into two parts. This is part two, so if you didn't listen to part one that came out yesterday, go back and listen to it first. But today, we finished drafting our top eight wide receivers in the NFL. We'll play a game of overrated, Underrated, where I ask Alex, is this player, coach, team, etc., over or underrated? And we give out draft grades for the NFC West, where one team absolutely crushed the draft, and some teams in that division got our lowest grades yet. So here is the rest of yesterday's episode.
1: Yeah. I I like Jamar Chase a lot, but the one thing I don't like about Jamar Chase is that little tiny drop habit that he has every now and then. He cleaned it up from when we first saw him in the offseason as rookie year, but he did clean it up a lot, and then he got nicked up a little bit. So with that being said, I'm going to go with his uh, counterpart, Justin Jefferson. What more there is to say? I mean, this guy exploded onto the scene breaking Randy Moss's rookie record. I mean, there was nothing that he couldn't do. And a lot of people looked down on Kirk Cousins, but hey, Kirk Cousins was slinging that thing to Justin Jefferson. And he did again last year as well. His rookie rookie year he did, and then he did it again. He followed it up again with 128 receptions, uh, 1,809 yards and eight touchdowns.
0: Yeah, it really came down to him and Jamar Chase for me, no doubt about it, because – this guy, Jeff, Justin Jefferson, has just been electric. There's no way around it. The guy that at one point was on pace to have a 2,000-yard season, the total package, no, no doubt about it, and an incredible player, can't knock that pick at all. Another guy who, at the same time, was almost on pace for a 2,000-yard season as well, and a guy that I think a lot of people thought would take a dip, similar to Devontae Adams after being traded, Tyreek Hill. Now with the Miami Dolphins, of course, after leaving the Kansas City Chiefs, Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes, and that offense, I think it was safe to say a lot of people were wondering if he'd still be the explosive, productive receiver. He proved his one year in Miami just how special of a player he is and that it wasn't all Patrick Mahomes. This guy put on a monster, monster season, and that was with Tua only playing part of the year. The guy was just unstoppable. I think you can make a case that Tyreek Hill might be the most dangerous wide receiver on this list. He might be the one guy that gives defensive coordinators the most nightmares because he is the biggest home run threat maybe in the history of this league.
1: I mean, two words, speed kills. And so when when you line up against him, you don't know if you need to be five yards off, five yards closer, or what to do exactly when you line up against him. But I know one thing, defensive coordinators will have a safety over the top to help you (laughs) no matter what. And he does create matchup nightmares on the other side. God forbid you have another side, a la Jalen Waddle on the other side, that can catch the ball as well. That guy will see a lot of targets. So he helps you out on Taking away the coverage, making plays, and then taking away coverage from other players so that they get solo coverage and you can make plays with them as well. I'm going to go with Stefan Diggs. Though we're hearing a lot of little things and trickling things, and by the way, he just put on, and we know these, these are athletes now speak for themselves through IG, he put on his IG, you guys can continue on with the cap. Me and my coach know what we're doing, so I just want to put that out there since we talked about Stefan Diggs earlier, but the route runner that he is. You can put him at the X, you can put him at the Y, you can put him at the Z. It does not matter where you put him. He is going to deliver. I love his intensity. I love his passion. I love the way that he plays. And when this guy is on the field, you better make sure you pay attention and make sure you either try to get a hand on him or do something, because if he gets loose, you're not going to catch him with his shiftiness and the way that he's in and out of breaks as well. So Stefan Diggs is my pick.
0: Yeah. Diggs is such a special player was a great player in Minnesota, went to the Bills, continued that level of excellence. I think anytime you can change teams, you can change quarterbacks, you can change systems, and you still are a super productive player, that says a lot about the type of player you are. Maybe, maybe the best route runner in the entire NFL. I love Stephon Diggs there. Alex, I might surprise you with this pick here. I'm going with Cooper Cup, L.A. Rams. I think the slide has to stop here for a guy who just recently was the triple crown receiver for the first time since Jerry Rice did it all the way back in 1995. And I think we're forgetting about this guy somewhat because he only played in nine games in 2022. And that Rams team, it was really falling apart around him. Matthew Stafford was a mess with injuries. And this guy still managed to put up Really, a really pretty impressive season in just nine games. He was on pace for over 1,700 yards receiving and 13 touchdowns before the injury. I know some people are critical because he mostly plays in the slot, but he does line up outside, I think, more than he gets credit for. A guy who is a phenomenal route runner, a super underrated blocker, which I know doesn't show up on the stat line, but I like guys who are complete players great hands, can make plays at all three levels of the field. I've got to go with Cooper Cup.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it wasn't a, it wasn't a one-trick point. It wasn't a one-year wonder. He was showing it again this year, again, by himself, because there was no Robert Woods. Allen Robinson was struggling. He was the one go-to guy, and they also didn't have a running game, and he was on pace to do some amazing things again this year. For my final pick, I'm going to go with somebody who has just simply been the definition of consistency, and that is Mike Evans. We're talking about the only receiver in NFL history for every single year of his career to have. He's only been in the league for nine years, but every single year, 1,000 yards or more. And and again, I want to reiterate, that goes for the Randy Mosses, the T.O.s, or whoever you want to put into that category. He is the only one that has had 1,000 yards receiving every single year of his career. Not only that, he has done that while also scoring double digit touchdowns for the most part, and when he hasn't been scoring double digit touchdowns, he's been at least at eight and maybe six was his lowest year, if I'm not mistaken, was his lowest this year. And also that's with mediocre to below average quarterbacks for the most part of his career, with the exception of these last two with Tom Brady. He's been doing it with James Winston and Mike Glennon and Josh McCown. That's what he's been doing. In up in obscurity before he arrived on the scene when Tom Brady finally went to Tampa Bay and you got to really see him in action when he basically beat the Rams by beating one of the better corners, Jalen Ramsey on one-on-one coverage and smoked him down the field. Unfortunately they lost it, but, and he's doing that and he's only 29 years old. And again, it's just the modicum of security, excuse me, consistency that this wide receiver is showing. That's very hard to do in this league.
0: I'm so glad you picked Mike Evans because I've been saying for a while, This guy is not only the most underrated wide receiver in the NFL, he is just quite frankly one of the most underrated players in the NFL. He tends to get overlooked all the time. Yes, he had Tom Brady for a few years there. I get that. But this guy put up big, big numbers with some very mediocre quarterback play. Really good pick, Alex. Alex, I might shock some people here. Maybe a little unconventional pick here with my last wide receiver. I'm going to take Debo Samuel. This is one of the most unique players in the entire NFL, and I think, quite frankly, he gets a little bit underrated as a wide receiver because of his ability to run the ball. I think people focus on that so much, they forget just how good of a pass catcher this guy is. When he gets the ball in his hands, you can make a case that he's one of the scariest players in the league with the toughness, the size, the ability to break tackles. I mean, he broke 128 tackles. (laughs) The guy... The guy is just such a threat in so many different ways. I love versatile players who can line up all over the field and do so many things for an offense. Might not be the guy that people were thinking here. There were some really good players still available in this draft. But I'm going to go with Debo Samuel just because of what he brings to the table for an offense.
1: Yeah, I'm not mad at that, and, and I know in pre-production we kind of talked, and there's that, that pack of four that was taken on together, that's A.J. Brown, D.K. Metcalf, and Scary Terry McLaurin. I mean, it's really take your pick, and what do you prefer out of those four in terms of that, and those are probably some of the four, the other three, and we'll just give an honorable mention to a, a C.D. Lamb that might be outside of the top eight that we just picked that would probably be literally right outside that top eight, and you can fight to get them in one of those spots and everything like that, but I, I do agree with your pick.
0: ZenCaster is the ultimate web-based podcasting solution. It provides high-quality audio and video podcast production and hosting. With a full suite of professional tools, podcasters can seamlessly record, produce, and publish studio-quality content all from one dashboard. Zincaster's post-production process takes the headache out of audio production. Set the right podcast loudness and levels while reducing background noise with a click of a button. Coordinating all your guests to record in person is painful and tedious. Easily invite up to 11 participants per recording with one click. Go to zincastercom slash pricing and use my code PGFP, and you'll get 30% off your first three months of Zencaster Professional. I want you to have the same easy experiences I do for all my podcasting and content needs. It's time to share your story. Hey there, PGF Nation. You know what's important when you're having a good time? Staying hydrated. And that's where Liquid IV comes in, the category winning hydration brand that's fueling your well being. With just one stick of Liquid IV, you get two times faster hydration than water alone. Plus, five essential vitamins to keep you feeling your best. And let's not forget about the convenience factor. The packaging is perfect for on the go, whether you're tailgating or just hanging out on the couch. But what really sets Liquid IV apart is the amazing flavors. Personally, I'm all about the Concord Grape and Lemon Lime. And with three times the electrolytes of traditional sports drinks, Liquid IV is made with premium ingredients to give you the hydration and nourishment you need. Get 20% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use code PGFP at checkout. That's 20% off anything you order when you shop Better Hydration today using promo code PGFP at liquidiv.com. So next time you're cracking open a cold one and settling in for the big game, make sure you've got liquid IV by your side. Trust me, your body will thank you. Else, I thought it'd be fun to play a game this week. A game, so to speak, here. I'm going to name a player, a team, a coach, etc. And you tell me if they're overrated or underrated. I've got three for you. Let's start with Bengals head coach, Zach Taylor overrated or underrated underrated because I think
1: the names that we hear all the time and Jamar Chase T Higgins Mixon, and of course Joe Burrow get mentioned over anything that he's doing the The strings that he's pulling to call those plays in the right moments and make those things happen make those big plays happen I think he does deserve some credit and he's a little bit underrated in that sense specifically because of things that happened in the Super Bowl a very young head coach and what he did since he's been there, we all know outside of the Marvin years, Cincinnati's pretty much been a for the last 20 something years, pretty much been a dormant franchise. And now they have a franchise quarterback. They have a top tier wide receiver, the best wide receiver receiver tandem between Boyd, Higgins and Chase. And he's pulling the strings correctly. And they're also betting on him because you would not let go of your entire defensive backfield for the most part and put all stock into the offense if you didn't believe in this guy. So I w- I'm going to say he's underrated.
0: I think I agree, Alex. I think I'm with you because this team gets a lot of credit for becoming an AFC contender in recent years for the success they've had. But you're right. His name really doesn't get brought up much. It seems to be a lot about the players, and rightfully so. You rattled off the names. There's some really good players on this roster, but this guy's still leading the charge for this team. And who's to say the Bengals are this successful without him? And I just don't think nearly enough people talk about the job he's done there in Cincinnati. So I'm with you. I think he's underrated as well. This one might surprise you. Bill's quarterback, Josh Allen overrated or underrated.
1: I think there's a little bit of overrated here as well. Ha ha ha. He finally got me to get my bills hate out. Um, there's, I think there's a little bit of uh him being overrated a little bit. I, I think it's because, One, I don't think he's seeing the field as well as we thought that he saw the field. And I do understand that there has been a change going from Brian Dayball to Ken Dorsey. So there's a little there's a little bit of a change, there, a little bit of nuance, but it's specifically still the same offense. But some of the things I know, I think I'm watching him change plays out of simple running plays and maybe taking on the bulk of the game himself instead of sticking with some of the plays. I'm watching audibles and I'm wondering and I don't know this. But I'm wondering when I'm watching him call audibles, is he audibling out of a play of a run play? Because they, we, I say that they've been lacking a run game. But I'm watching a lot of what's going on. And the other thing is, he needs to learn to play under center more. This is a player that plays a lot in shotgun. And if you're trying to run the ball in tight situations, that is not the ideal formation to run out of in shotgun. He needs to be able to get more comfortable in eleven personnel under center to make this team more formidable. To get the running game going, so I'm going. I'm going to call a little bit of over, over, or, and I'm going to make up a word, ovation here with Josh Allen.
0: I think I'm with you on this one too, Alex. And with all that being said, calling a guy overrated who is still a top five to top seven quarterback in the league is kind of tough. And I get that, and that's why I brought him up specifically because I think it's kind of a, almost a tough one to to grasp here. He is a high level quarterback, a young guy who's still coming into his own a guy who has played at a really high level, but his first two seasons were basically throwaway years. People were calling him a bust. People thought he was headed for a backup role. Brian Dayball comes in, Stephon Diggs comes in, and he makes this huge jump. Well, last season we saw Dayball leave and we saw him regress. And I do see too many times where he tries to force throws. He tends to tuck it and run a little too quickly. I'd like to see him get through his progressions more. A very good player, a franchise quarterback, and like I said, a no doubt top 10 guy and arguably a top five guy. But the hype on him in the last year or two, as far as MVP talk, the Bills being Super Bowl favorites going into last year, obviously none of that came to fruition. Really going to be interesting to see what they do this year. All right. Last one here for overrated, underrated, Cleveland Browns' new dog logo. Underrated or overrated?
1: Now you caught me there, and but I do have my laptop up, so let me see if I can take a look at this new logo that the Browns have. Oh no, I like it. I'm not mad at this at all. I, I like it. I like it a lot. No, no, this is a go. I love it. This is this is not this is underrated. They, you know, that brand. I know they're not going to put it. I don't believe they're putting it on the helmet. Correct? Am I saying that correct? They're not putting not, this on the helmet. Not that's that I'm
0: aware of. That that's not that I had read. I hadn't read anything about that, but uh, apparently the fans voted on this. Yeah, I see that. And there's also a really cool kind of backstory in the design. There's a lot of really cool, I won't go into all of it, but just go online and look into it, guys, because there's a lot of really cool like intricacies about the logo and what the different little parts of the logo represent for that team. I'm with you, Alex. I think it's fire. I love that logo. I agree. I think think it's really, really cool. So I'm with you. Underrated. All right. Hard to believe, but we are coming close to wrapping up the divisional draft grades. But we've got another one this week. Back to the NFC. The NFC West draft grades. Alex, how about you kick this off?
1: And we're going to start with the Seattle Seahawks. First round pick. Fifth overall, Devin Weatherspoon. Now, we had Devin Weatherspoon really close to Christian Gonzalez. We had Christian Gonzalez number one, but I mean, Devin Weatherspoon. I mean, this is a typical Pete Carroll pick in your face, press corner. He's not afraid to make any tackle. He's not afraid to get in anybody's face and he's not afraid of anything. And he showed that at Illinois. The one drawback that I have here is the fact that he is not scared. And he's a bit reckless with his body. And on this level, I'm not sure how that's going to play out if he's unable to put the brakes on, how uh, aggressive he is when going after players to tackle them in terms of his health, because he did get nicked up during the, during the, a couple of times at Illinois. So at this level, when you're doing that, you can really put yourself in harm's way. And then the, as we always say, the best ability is availability. With their second first round pick, number 20, Jackson Smith and Jigba. I mean, I love this pick. He's one of the better wide receivers. We had him right below Zay Flowers. And he does fit the mold of what they're doing. They have Tyler Lockett. They have DK Metcalf. They've been struggling to find another another tight end. So, But getting a, a slot receiver or a, C, a receiver that you can interchange with Tyler Lockett because they can both play both positions, the Y and the Z, while DK handles the X. You have you have a player here that if you decide to move on from Tyler Lockett, if you don't feel that you can hang on to that contract, you can let him go and this guy can slide right in. So I'm not mad at that. And then also with Geno Smith, what we saw from him last year, he gets to slide right in and go right in and gives Geno another target as well. Their second round pick, Derek Hall from Auburn, outside linebacker. I know they're looking, they've are looking. they been looking for another K.J. Wright and or I believe his name was Marcus Smith, that type of player. He looks like he can be that type of player, but I don't know if they're going to play him, if I'm not mistaken. I, wanted, I When I went and took a look at where they did have him, they were putting him at the right outside linebacker. I thought they might have tried to maybe slide him onto the defensive line as a pass rusher, but they did leave him at outside linebacker. He's a decent player. You know, he right now he's going to be playing second, excuse me, second string. So they'll be able to coach him up. And we know one thing about Pete he knows a thing or two about defense. But I think this will see we'll by maybe week five or six, this player will be stealing snaps from the starter. Their second, second round pick this was our number two running back on the board, Zach Charbonnet. We know what Pete likes to do. He likes to run the ball. Last year they, had, they struck gold when they got Kenneth Walker in the second round, and literally. They went and got in the second round again, Zach Charbonnet. So now they have a two-headed, young two-headed monster that on small contracts to really pound the ball and really help out Geno Smith some more to give him some open lanes. And how that play action pass is now going to work with the newfound weapon in Jackson Smith and Jigba as well. So I like the pick in terms of where I believe the offense is going. So that's another great pick for them. And again, that was our second running back on the board. Anthony Bradford in the fourth round, they did not have a third round pick, but Anthony Bradford in the fourth round, getting enough, getting an offensive lineman. We know you can never have enough offensive linemen, specifically guards. And if you're going to be running through the tackles, which a Kenneth Walker and Zach Charbonne is with their size and with their running style, you're going to need somebody that's heavy. This guy is 6'4, 332 pounds. He doesn't pull very well. When I looked at some of the tape, like he's a little bit Slow getting out of his stance and and getting and getting to the outside on the pull. But, however, we're talking about straight forward bull rushing. This guy is it. And, again, with the running styles of Kenneth Walker and Jack, Zach Charbonnet, he fits the bill. Cameron Young, their second pick in the fourth round. I like this player. Uh, 6'3", 304. I, I didn't like his strength at the point of attack. He does pull. He does have a tendency to pull on Offensive lineman, which is, uh, if I'm not mistaken, called defensive. I believe it's defensive holding is the call. He'll uh, wrap his arms and grab a lot of jersey and pull the defensive line lineman down, excuse me, offensive lineman down, as opposed to using his hands and slap technique to get all to get the block off and get to the play. So there is a little bit of sloppiness that needs to be cleaned up. But I think, again, Pete being the type of coach that he is, he can coach this out of him. Uh, then you have Mike Morris, Olusogun. Watini, I think I nailed that, at center, Jarek Reed uh, at safety, and Kenny McIntosh, uh running back from Georgia to round out the rest of their draft. I just mentioned Kenny McIntosh because I have an affinity for Georgia running backs. They just always seem to have a good running back on their team. Keep an eye on see it is. He's more of their quick twitch back. So perhaps he's able to get on the field and get some third down plays. So what I will say about, I do like the draft. I like a lot of things they address. I like the fit of a lot of the players, specifically the first through fourth round. So I'm actually going to give them a B plus. I struggled actually. Yeah, I struggled. I wanted to give them an A minus. And you know what? And I do this a lot. I have a grade written down. And then when I start live talking about it, I upgrade the draft or I downgrade the draft. This is going to be a draft. I actually upgrade. I'm going to upgrade them to an A minus. I like what the Seahawks did here, building on what they did last year. And then coming into this year with all the picks that they have. And I think they've really set themselves up for some true success. The one thing I will say is that they did not grab a quarterback. And this draft had a lot of quarterbacks on the lower rounds. That's one thing that I saw once we got to the maybe around the the second fourth round pick on down, that they did not take advantage of perhaps picking up a quarterback because we know where Geno Smith is in terms of his age and in terms of his deal. So you have to be able to set the timeline right. At least have somebody in there that's not saying they can't draft one next year But I thought they should have perhaps at least picked up one quarterback this year.
0: Yeah, that's a really good point. I think taking a flyer on one of these late round quarterbacks would have made a lot of sense. As far as this draft, I'm with you. This is a home run draft for the Seahawks. I love what they did. That number five overall pick as part of that Russell Wilson trade from Denver capitalizing with a guy like Devin Witherspoon. Look, we had Christian Gonzalez ahead of Devin Witherspoon, but like you said, it was close. Devin Witherspoon was clearly our number two guy, a really good prospect. I think as far as fit, he's actually a better fit in Seattle than Christian Gonzalez would have been. Just because of the type of cornerbacks that they look for, he is the prototypical, long-rangey, hard-hitting corner that Pete Carroll loves. So I, I really like that pick. At number 20 overall, Jackson Smith and Jigba, wide receiver from Ohio State. We've talked about him, obviously, on prior episodes as well. One of the best wide receivers in this class, and they clearly had a need at that third wide receiver position and a guy who can really utilize the slot. He fits that mold perfectly. I think he's going to be a really good player, and I think he's a sneaky good pick for potentially rookie of the year. I think he's that good. Derek Hall, the outside linebacker from Auburn, Really fits a need for them. They had to address that position. I like Derek Hall. He showed out at the combine, had really good numbers. He's a really good athlete. Zach Charbonnet, we've talked about obviously on other episodes too. Guys, once again, if you want to go back, listen to the pre-draft episodes where we break down a lot of these top prospects. We both loved Zach Charbonnet. In the second round to get a guy like this, great value. And you hit it on the head. Two-headed monster at the running back position. I'm I'm with you. This is an A draft for me all the way. If you just stopped right there, it's an A because those first four picks are outstanding. I love what the Seahawks did. All right, let's jump to the Arizona Cardinals, a team that we've talked a lot about. I, f- I feel like my hands are sore. We've been beating up on these guys so much. With their first pick, the number six overall pick right after the Seahawks, they get my top-ranked offensive tackle. Really good player. Paris Johnson Jr., out of Ohio State. He's long. He's athletic. Once again, I broke down his game on one of our prior episodes. I won't spend a lot of time on it. The only problem I have with this pick is them trading back up to get Johnson. It costs them another second rounder. And for a team that has a lot of holes, I don't really like trading up for a guy. Now, with that being said, I think it was a good pick because I think he's a really good player and it fits a need for them, so I don't hate it. I just wish they wouldn't have had to trade up to do it. In the second round, they took B.J. Ojolari, outside linebacker, pass rusher from LSU. He's actually the brother of Aziz Ojolari, really good young player that came out of Georgia who now plays for the New York Giants. This guy is quick off the ball. He's explosive. He can bend on the edge. Close on the quarterback quickly, doesn't give up after getting beat. I really love that about his tape. Shows great effort. Now he needs to improve versus the run, but he's a natural pass rusher. He has natural ability, big time closing speed, really solid second round pick. In the third round, they took Garrett Williams, the cornerback from Syracuse. Now he's recovering from a torn ACL, but this is a guy that I think had first round maybe late first round, early second round type of talent. So to get him at pick 72 because of the ACL injury, I think that's the only reason he was available there. It might just be a steal here. Nice footwork when you watch him. He's really good footwork, really clean. He's athletic. He's twitchy, explosive. He attacks passing lanes. And I like the aggressive nature that he plays with. Sometimes it gets him in trouble but I I really like this player, and once again, just really good value in the third round for a guy who should come back healthy at some point and become a really good player. Now, and also later in the third round, they took Michael Wilson, the wide receiver out of Stanford, and in the fourth round, they took John Gaines, a guard out of UCLA. Two Pac-12 guys, West Coast guys, pretty familiar with both these players. Michael Wilson, a 6'2 wide receiver, He's a guy who put up really good numbers at the combine. John Gaines was a mauler in the run game; just a really high football IQ, tough run blocker, good player. Now, Alex, if they hadn't, you know, traded up for Paris Johnson, I think I might be more willing to maybe have give, given them an A minus type of grade. They might have sniffed that because I really like all these players that they picked here, but. Considering that to trade up, I'm going to ding them for that because, like I said, this is a team that needed all the picks they could get. I thought that was an aggressive move. We'll see if it pays off. I give them a slight ding for that. So I'm going to knock them down to a B plus, but a really solid draft for a team that really needed one.
1: I've really been... Looking, as we've been doing this exercise, I'm really, truly looking for a team to give an F or D to. I really want to give out one of those grades. I've never been a teacher, but I want to give out one of those grades. And I wanted Arizona to fail, but they did not. They did do some good things. Again, your point in terms of making the move to move to get Paris Johnson, perhaps they did lose some things there. But I do like the pick. You do need that. If you believe in your franchise quarterback, being Colin Murray, <clears throat> being Colin Murray. So you do do something like that. The B.J. Lingerie, <sighs> I grit my teeth on it a little bit, but you know what? Okay, let's let's just go with that and hopefully, excuse me, with them having a defensive coach that he knows what to put them in. The one thing I did wish they did was they did not get a running back, and I really wish they did go out and get a running back because I feel that's something that they need on that team. Um, this is really probably going to be a lost year for them. I wouldn't be surprised if Kyler sat out for the entire year and they had them ready for the following year, which would make it very interesting. They ended up with the number one pick and being able to, to get a haul for that pick. If they're in position to get Kayla Williams or Drake, may, but you know what? I, I agree with you uh, in terms of the, in terms of the grade, I probably would go with a B minus, but they still in, in that B range for what they did. So I'm not too mad at a couple of things. They did the Los Angeles Rams. As we know, the Rams have been trading away first round picks like it's nobody's business. So they began their first pick, in the second round, with Steve of uh, with Steve Avila, I hope I'm saying that correctly, out of TCU. I actually like this pick, known as a row grader at the guard position, six three and a half, 332 pounds. I do like the fact that he can get out on the edge, and he is a good pull running guard that can get out in time to get in front of that running back to get a, a hold of those linebackers and row grade for the running back behind him. So I'm not too mad at that pick. I like that pick for them. That everybody needs offensive help all the time. Byron Young from Tennessee. Okay. I like Byron. I like Byron Young. But at the third pick at 14, I thought they ha- I thought they needed some other things here that were there. So specifically, I'm going to speak about Josh Downs. Their starting wide receiver is Ben Skornik. I will pause while you Google. Their start, their X and their Y are Ben Squarneck and Van Jefferson, and then we know there's Cooper Cup that'll be primarily in the slot. So there, Josh Downs was still available there as well. So I thought you could have used a wide receiver there. I was just I, I like the play I think Byron Young, but I just don't think what was available they'd have they could have done a lot better. They had a second pick in the third round, and here's where, you know what? We might be giving out a bad grade here. I'm just going to forewarn everybody. Kobe Turner, defensive tackle, third round uh, at number 26. This guy, and I'm in the North Carolina area, he is a player, but he's not a third-round player. I think they reached here. It was an unnecessary reach, and I, this is a person that I'm not even sure— May even get second string in the third in the of coming out of the third round. He may be third or, or maybe even just as strictly a special teamer in this league. And again, on the um available to them was YA Morris, offensive tackle. You also had Darnell Washington. I know they have Tyler Higby, but hey, maybe you go 11 personnel and you get two tight ends out there. So again, we're thinking about Matthew Stafford's arm and how much money you have committed to this player. You can't move off of them. the things you have to do. And there also was. Uh, Jordan Battle as safety. They do not have a safety. They currently do not have a safety. I mean, they, they have Jordan Fuller and their Free safety is Rush East. Again, I will wait for you to Google. And that does not mean these players cannot be good players. It's just currently where they are now, this doesn't bode well for what was available to them at the time. Instead of picking XYZ player, they perhaps I felt they should have gone in a different direction. Fourth round pick, Stetson Bennett. I mean those of us who have been watching Georgia since Stetson Bennett has been there, we know that he is not the quarterback that we saw in Georgia at the next level specifically. And I'm going to point out a player that I've been, that we have actually been talking about from the beginning, um, the Brock Purdy of this draft and Aiden O'Connell there. If you felt you need to go for a quarterback, which was a good, which was something you did need to address with Aiden O'Connell sitting there with what he was able to do. And then specifically with Sean McVay, being touted as, if not a quarterback guru, but becoming one of those quote-unquote guys, I would have thought there would have been a longer look at what Stetson Bennett was and how he projects to the next level of somebody with the likes of Aiden O'Connell. Fifth round pick Nick Hampton. Now, this is a player, this is a sleeper player that I had picked early on. However, for the Rams, who mainly run a 4-3 style defense for the most part, I don't like this because I project him out to be a strictly a 3-4 edge rusher at 6'2, 236 pounds. Of course, they'll be able to put some weight on him. I simply don't like the pick in the fit that they have for the Rams, unless they're solely going to a four, excuse me, a 3-4 outfit. And if they are, then they got a steal here. So this is a pick that perhaps. You know, to be continued, if the Rams are strictly going to a 3-4, and I know know they run multiple sets, but Nick Hampton, for the production and things that I raved about, he is that as a 3-4 edge rusher, not a 4-3 linebacker. So I will say that is to be continued until we determine, specifically if they're going to switch to a 3-4 defense. As we know, Raheem Morris, the defensive coordinator, is more of a cover two guy, not a 3-4 defensive coordinator. Then the, the Rams had a lot of back end picks. Now, what I will say is they had the bulk of the picks between the third and the fifth rounds. That's really where the meat of this draft is, where there were a lot of players. There weren't a, a lot of high end first, second round plays, but in the third through the fifth round is where there was going to be a lot of value. And uh, just a few of these plays, I just felt that they missed on. You also have Travavius Hodges-Thomason, who is uh, the nephew of LaDainian Thomason. O'Shawn Mathis, Zach Evans, running back. They finally did get a running back out of Ole Miss. I got that I actually like that I think can may have a shot. Ethan Evans, Jason Taylor, and Deshaun Johnson. I really did not like this Rams draft. And I said it before, and I had been looking for somebody to give a D to. And I, I'm actually going to give them, I had a C minus, but I'm actually going to give them a D simply because. GMs usually don't like to leave money. On they don't like to leave money on the floor in terms of draft picks. And I feel that the Rams left a lot of money on the floor, specifically in the third through the fifth rounds. So I'm going to give them a D.
0: Yeah, I can see it, Alex. I understand. I really do. I think Steve Avila, the guard out of TCU, solid pick, not really a splashy pick. They were a mess on the offensive line. They had a ton of injuries on the offensive line, and it really showed their lack of depth. So I understand the pick nothing to get excited about though. Byron young. I like the fit as far as you you don't have Leonard Floyd anymore. They had a hole there that they needed to fill. I think he's a guy who can give them a, a boost at the pass rush, a a really relentless player, a, a good high motor player. I like that about him, but in the third round, I agree with you. There were some pretty good players on the board there. So that that could be a pick that maybe ends up haunting them a little bit later down the road. Now, one guy I will push back on a little bit is Kobe Turner, the defensive tackle out of Wake Forest. Last season, I had Clint Brewster from 24-7 Sports, and he actually brought up Kobe Turner and said he was the highest graded defensive tackle they had on their website. He was really high on this guy, so it was a guy that I kind of paid attention to after interviewing him. I'm a lot higher in, higher on him than you were, I think he could turn out to be a pretty good player. I agree with you on Stetson Bennett. In the fourth round, feels like a huge reach. Now, maybe Stetson Bennett continues to prove the doubters wrong. That's what he did at Georgia. He, can, he just proved so many people, myself included, wrong again and again at the college level. As we know, the NFL is a whole different game, though. Can he do it again at the next level? It's going to be interesting to see. But I wasn't a fan of where they took him, especially, like you said, with so many other quarterbacks available. It seemed really early. I thought Stetson Bennett was more of a sixth, seventh-round type pick. Fourth seemed a little bit of a stretch. Nick Hampton was a guy that I circled once you talked about him earlier this season and how much you loved this kid. But the fit is a big question mark. I'm with you there. But what a player that kid is because once, once you kind of highlighted that guy, he was somebody I started paying more attention to. And he's got some amazing tape. I'm with you. This is a D class, though. There's nothing special here because even a couple of the players I like, like you mentioned here earlier with Nick Hampton, I'm not sure it fits. And they reached on some guys. There's just a lot of blah. There's just nothing here that really gets you excited. A bunch of late-round picks, a bunch of flyers. Maybe some of those guys pan out, but I'm with you. This is not a draft to get excited about at all for the Rams. All right, let's wrap it up with the San Francisco 49ers. Now, they didn't have any picks in rounds one or two because of the trades for Trey Lance and Christian McCaffrey. So in the third round, their first pick was Jair Brown, the safety out of Penn State. This is a guy who's a really really versatile defensive back, lined up at nickel corner, played down in the box, also played some cover one safety. I think the big concern or red flag for him is the lack of speed and burst. But a really high-motor, high-energy guy. All the reports I read is a locker room leader, a tough run defender. Great instincts. I mean, this guy covers up a lot of that lack of speed with his instincts and just being in the right place at the right time. Great ball skills. Ten interceptions in his two seasons starting at Penn State. We've seen safeties who didn't test well at the combine go on to have great careers because safety is a position where you have to have great instincts to really understand what the offense is doing and put yourself in a position to make plays. I think he can do that. He's a really solid player. I like this pick, especially in the third round. Now, later in the third, they took Jake Moody, the kicker out of Michigan. I can't say the same thing about this other third round pick. I mean, this is just way too early. Way too early to take a kicker, and I don't even think he's the best kicker in this class. So to get a kicker, I understand that that was a need for this team, but this is a terrible pick in the third. You you go way too early to take that position, and then you don't even get the best player. I'm not a fan of that pick at all. Later in the third round, they took Cameron Latu, tight end out of Alabama. High IQ football player. Just picks the ball out of the air. Nice hands, good extension. But he has too many drops. D- too many times when you're watching him, you just see too many drops. I think he, he shows really good effort as a blocker. I think he's a decent run blocker. I think he's a guy that's going to be a typical inline wide tight end. His best routes are the underneath and up the seam. He's pretty good just working in the middle of the field on the short and intermediate routes. He's a chain mover. I mean, that's basically what this guy is. He's a chain mover. He's a, he's going to be a guy that you can go to on third down, but his lack of speed and acceleration, I think, really limits his upside. Not a guy who's going to be able to stretch the field vertically. Now, he's reliable. He's a consistent player. He's a good fit opposite George Kittle, but not a pick in the third round that I really get too excited about. Now, the Niners had two fifth-round picks and three seventh-round picks, But I want to highlight the guy they took in the sixth round, D. Winters, inside linebacker for TCU, really versatile linebacker, played inside, he played some outside linebacker, showed on tape that he can drop into space, he can collapse a pocket as a blitzer, explodes to chase down ball carriers. I mean, really good closing speed. I think he's suited to play weak side linebacker in the NFL. I think that's going to be the ideal fit for him at the next level. Really probably should have gone a round or two earlier than he did. I was really surprised to see him in the sixth. I think he's a really solid prospect. So I wanted to highlight him, Alex, because I think it was really great value. One of their better value picks in this draft, possibly. Now, the Niners' biggest needs going into this draft, I felt were offensive tackle, guard, and defensive end. They had three third-round picks. And they went with safety, kicker, and tight end. I, I, don't, I don't understand it. How do you not address any of those key positions that I mentioned? Now, I like Brown a lot. And I think Latu is a solid, not great pick, but a solid pick. Jake Moody just didn't make any sense in that spot. Like I said, I think that's terrible. But the biggest question mark that I have after this draft is that they didn't take a single offensive tackle. Not even in any of the later rounds. After losing Mike McGlinchey this offseason, how do you not take a tackle at least somewhere? Take a flyer on a guy to add some depth to that position. Way more questions than answers for this class. I'm going to give him a C-, minus, Alex.
1: This, when I looked at it, this was also another D candidate for me. (laughs) A D candidate for me. Uh, But I'll I'll yield to what you said. I do like, to your point, I do like Jair Brown, uh, high IQ, played at Penn State, you know, a a, a full-time starter. I want to say he was a captain. I could be off. He may or may not be a captain. The only thing I didn't like about him was his 40 time was a little bit slow. However, okay, I'm, I'm okay there. Now, the one thing it is, I just don't know where they plan on playing him. Like, are they putting him at free safety Are they putting Cause he's a free safety. He's not really a, he's not really a strong safety. He's more of a, um, I'm sorry. He's not really a free safety. He's more of a, a strong safety. So I wonder if they're going to try, where they're going to try and put him because they hit on, as I like to call him young Palomalu and Tal- 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 Talanoa Hafunga who plays strong safety. And as I look at the depth chart, he slotted as second string behind him. But if you have this young player, and you're still starting Tyshawn Gibson Sr. in uh, 2024, I have questions, and that's not a shout at Tyshawn. I just don't. I think his style of play just doesn't fit what's happening in 2024. The other thing, I absolutely agree with you. Offensive tackle and offensive guard, I had written down, and I also had written down cornerback. And with what, what they drafted after Jair Brown, if we we're agreeing that that was a good pick, they drafted Jake Moody, but F- Blake Freeland from uh, BYU was still on the board. And another guy we spoke about, Anthony Branford, the guard was still on the board. You could have taken one of those guys there. And as I look, do my draft grades, and I'm pretty sure Brad does this as well. I'm looking at your depth chart to see. It's not necessarily if you're getting knee, but are you drafting at least for that position and where you're drafting for that position? Aaron Banks, Drake Brendel, and Spencer Buford. Now, Aaron Banks maybe have been, he's a 2021 draft pick, so maybe he's been coached up and ready to take over at the guard. But the interior of this line looks very weak. And the right tackle, Colton Mikovitz. I'll wait for all of you to Google that. And this is not a shot at any of these players. They can come up and probably be the best Offensive line all around, but losing Mike McGlinchey looking at what they have in the interior. Brad is absolutely right to ignore when you had three third round picks to simply ignore offensive tackle, offensive tackle and guard, not only in those rounds, but throughout the entire draft is I, I, it was unforgivable to me. I'm sorry, uh, uh John Lynch, but you failed here. I'm sorry to draft Jake Moody. Now, the only thing I can say, maybe they plan on playing great defense. Through the first few weeks of the year while they get Brock Purdy up to speed and they're gonna have to be doing a lot of kicking to win, <laughs> to win games. I'm sorry. I don't know what else to say to say about that. I, you know, you had gave them a C, I would probably truly put them in the D market again. I'm and I'm sorry I actually I'm not sorry. It's just looking at what you did and looking at what you really needed and with an opportunity, with another opportunity with another quarterback that looks like you coached them up to really go out and either spend some money in free agency or Spend some draft capital. You did neither. You never you didn't address it in the free agency and you didn't address it in the draft. So I wonder what was going on in that war room when everyone's being dra- when when they were doing the drafting, because I believe they missed a lot here with the exception of Jaya Brown, which I do agree with you on. But then again, I still have questions about that, which is why I'm giving them a D, because right now you have him slotted on the depth chart behind Hufunga, who's been if i'm not saying he was a pro bowler this year and maybe and maybe i've even been all pro he may or may not have been but he was he's definitely ascending in this office and you're leaving tyshawn prince gibson excuse me tyshawn gibson senior at free safety out there in 2024 that is not the type of football that's being played out there so i'm going to give them a d
0: you talked me into it alex i'm with you i'm stamping it right now it's a d i said c minus i might have been a little too nice It's not a very impressive class, but I think this was an impressive episode. We got a lot of great stuff covered here today, guys. But remember, there's more exclusive content. If you subscribe to the newsletter, go to the website, pintglassfootball.com. Subscribe to the newsletter because we've got exclusive content coming out regularly. Before we go, I want to give a shout out to our friends at the Tailgate Foodie for sponsoring today's episode. Check them out at thetailgatefoodie.com. Hope you guys enjoyed this episode, PGF Nation. We'll be back again next week, like always. I'm Brad Fowler. He's Alex Higdon. This is Pint Glass Football, and we'll catch you next time. Thanks for listening to the Pint Glass Football Podcast. Be sure to subscribe and follow us on Twitter at PGF Podcast.